I'm going to have to uh, check with my lady uh, later uh, because I think I heard her chuckling when um, when Lowell said something about whether or not I had more to say. <laughs> more to say. Uh, I'm going to have to check and see what that was about. I want to start with a story. Uh, it has nothing to do with the sermon. Um, it has something to do with people being here and uh, us being able to see each other. Um, this past week, I went to see the dentist. Um, and uh, I was having swelling. And um, he... Uh, I had had a root canal, so this this swelling followed the root canal. So I was in there, and he usually has a mask on. And and when he, this was serious enough. So when he uh, came to talk to me about this issue and what he thought about it and what he was going to do about it, he came around in front of me and he took his mask off. Now this is the first time I've seen him. Actually, seen him. And and my first thought was, wow, it, it's nice it's nice to see who you are, and you don't look like a bandit. And and uh, I felt bad enough that um, I needed some assurance. I really needed some assurance that this is all okay. All right. So he took his mask off and he talked to me in a very appropriate way, John. And. So the, so I went in two days later for just to make sure I was doing okay, and I was. And and when I left, I told his helper, I don't know what you call these ladies that help. I don't know the name. But I told her, I said, I want to say something to you. And she said, okay. Of course, they never know what I'm going to say. And I said, I just want to uh, say, and I, I think you need to tell the doctor, that the dentist, that I, I I think him taking his mask off and looking at me and talking to me uh, probably helped me stay out of um, some kind of distressing state. Uh, I said it's really it's really helpful to uh, to have assurance that I'm I'm not I'm I'm not the dentist isn't a bandit. And she started laughing. And, uh, it, well, I said, it's just, it's just that I need, I, it helped to see, to see him, actually see him. And she, uh, she reached out and, and touched my elbow and she said, that's really funny, but that, that does make sense. So, um, Whatever that's worth, I think it. I think it is helpful for us to be together and to see each other and and have a conversation with each other. This morning, I'm I'm preaching from First John one, and uh, this is a uh, council uh, sermon. And the the chap I'm I'm using this because the chapter talks about things related to. Uh, the kinds of things that people have talked to me over the years 
I would say at about every uh, communion service that I've had anything to do with, somebody will uh, call me or want to talk to me, uh, send me an email or text, and and ask me questions about this this thing of am I qualified to commune? Because well because because I haven't got it figured out yet, and and uh, I've I've confessed the same sin three times, and it's not gotten any better, and I don't know what to do. And don't don't laugh about any of this because it, it it really is distressing to people, and I can understand why they're asking. So I, there's some things here in this chapter that I want to emphasize. So I'm going to read first of all the uh, first four verses. It's an introduction. It's not really directly related to my points. So I'm reading from the New American Standard. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands, concerns the word of life. For the life was made visible. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim we proclaim now to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And for our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that our joy may be complete. So First uh, John begins uh, much like the Gospel of John with a focus on on who Christ is in relation to the Father from the beginning, eternal. Uh, the expression of God possessing the life of God. So who who is Christ? He's talks about Christ's eternal existence from the beginning and that he is revealed, has been revealed to mankind. And John says, we have heard him and continue to hear him is the idea, spiritual hearing, I believe. We have seen him and continue to see him, which I think is spiritual as well. Because the next one we beheld him, I believe, is physical sight. We handled him, um, I believe, is referring to touch, physical touch. The life we have seen and heard is a life that was with the Father in the past. And this Christ, this life was declared, revealed to us, to the disciples, at a uh, specific time uh, in history, an actual event, events. The purpose of Christ being heard and seen and people being told is that you may have fellowship with us and that your joy may be full. 
And uh, then John says, this is the message, God is light. That's verse 5. And then uh, John goes into uh, this issue of fellowship and how to have it. And, and there's discussion around the idea of light and darkness, uh, truth and, and uh, untruth. So he talks about uh, there, there um, three, fellowship requires three things. See, these are just a summary of what we're going to see. Fellowship requires three things, cleansing, uh, forgiveness of unknown sin in verse 7, confession and cleansing of known sin, confessed sin in verse 9, and then the, uh, the, the present work of Christ, the past and present work of Christ that makes this cleansing possible. That's in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So John also, another summary would be, he mentions three errors. The first one is to believe that we can have fellowship with God but walk in sin. The second, to say that one does not have, uh, I'll put it this way, a natural tendency to sin, that one is incapable of sinning. That's a second error. Third one, to deny that any present attitudes or behavior is sin. Deny that I do acts of sin. So I'm going to read here, first of all, before I uh, go into the verses. Uh, this is 1 John 1, beginning with verse 5. Now this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we continue to walk in darkness, we lie and do not act in truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrongdoing. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In chapter 2, verse 1, my children, children, I am writing this to you so that you may not commit sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the expiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for those of the whole world. So I'm looking at the bulletin just to remind myself of what your notes are. So the three errors, uh, each verse 
from 6 to 10 is a conditioned verse. It's stated as a condition. And the first part of each verse gives a condition, which if the condition is met, will result in the fulfillment of the last part of the verse. It's just an observation. So you have condition and result. Uh, the remedy for each of these three errors, in, they are in the errors are listed in verses 6, 8, and 10. And the, um, the remedy for each of these errors is given in the verse that follows. So error one, to believe that we can have fellowship with God but persist in sin. Uh, so John says the person who says this is lying. But the person who is walking in the light is being cleansed from sin. So my understanding is that uh, there were several errors, uh, false ideas, uh, in the church John was addressing uh, that they thought that the physical body was evil or worthless. So either... Uh, you deny that the body would have evil desires. Um, if you practice rigid discipline, you, there wouldn't be any evil desires, or else they approved of gratifying evil desires because the body will be destroyed anyway, and it doesn't matter. And they also had a false belief about Christ that he wasn't the Son of God, which I won't go into in this sermon. So verse 6, the condition in verse 6 is if a person says that he is having fellowship with God but is walking in darkness. Uh, and John says the result is that he's lying. And he's not doing the truth. In verse 7, the condition is if we walk in the light and the result is we are having fellowship with one another as people, brothers and sisters, and we are being cleansed from sin. So it's two results. So these people claim to have peace with God, be at harmony with God, even as they lived in sin. But the problem is God is light, God is truth, but they were walking in darkness or sin. And they did not walk in the truth. So well, the thing to learn here is that no one, according to the Scripture, can have peace with God and live in known sin at the same time. Anyone who claims that he can do that, uh, these verses say he's lying. It's not true. And that is really strong. That is, that's strong. So the remedy for this condition of lack of fellowship is to walk in the light. That's verse 7. Or do, do the truth. Do what you know is right. Do what you know is right. The results of doing what one knows is right uh, are given in the 
end of verse 7, you will have fellowship with one another and cleansing from all sin. Um, now, that, that phrase, I, I think maybe that's where we uh, often don't catch what's being taught. Um, those who continue to believe and continue to walk in the light that they have continue to be cleansed from sin. And this is the ongoing work of Christ, and I think it is referring to, um, I'll use the word, unknown sin. When we are walking in the light, uh, living what we know is right and good, we are being, that's the tense, we are being cleansed from all sin. So, this continued cleansing, I believe, deals with the unknown sin, and then the next several verses talk about known sin that's confessed. So confession deals with known sin and, and walking in the light as we know. There's many things going through my head. I don't know what I ought to say. Confession of sin deals with known sin, and walking in the light uh, provides, allows for Christ to cleanse us from all sin, which I think includes all unknown sin. So God has made provision to cleanse us from whatever sin uh, would other, otherwise mar our fellowship with him or with one another. Uh, so this means that fellowship depends on our confession of known sin and on God's cleansing of unknown sin. Now, that's my understanding of the meaning of verse 7. So uh, there's a question. This is part of what was going through my head a little bit ago. A question um, the passage says that those who walk in the light are cleansed from all sin by the blood of Christ. Uh, so the obvious question is, how perfectly do you have to walk in the light for to have this cleansing from all sin? How perfectly? And... Uh, The, the difficulty here, in my mind, is that if we walk perfectly, we wouldn't need this cleansing. So I don't think it's talking about a perfect walking in the light. But no doubt it's talking about an intention to, and a desire to, and a commitment to. So if we walk in the light... Okay, all of you can respond to what I'm saying afterward, okay? If we walk in the light as we are able to walk in the light, we are being cleansed from all sin. Uh, error two is in verses eight and nine. 
to say that one does not have a natural tendency towards sin. That, that I think it's uh, saying it, it's to say that one is incapable of sinning. And it says the person who says this is deceiving himself or herself, and the truth is not in him. But if he confesses his sin, he will be forgiven. So if you're thinking that, well, I don't sin, I can't sin, I'm always right. Well, try try being honest and confess your sin, and that will take care of this problem. So the condition, if we say that we have no sin, I believe it's referring to no tendency or capacity to sin, and the results, he gives two results of this condition. If we say we have no sin, two results. We deceive ourselves, and the second, the the truth is not in us. So people who hold this view uh, must deny that they do any wrong. And John says they're deceiving themselves. They will not accept responsibility for their conduct. They do not. Or if they admit they did wrong, they will say that the devil did it through me. Uh, Like I didn't really participate. I'm a passive. It just happens. Uh, So these people participate in their own deception, deceive themselves, it says. Uh, which is maybe close to willful blindness. And the truth is not in us, so they are lying about themselves and their true condition. And uh, people who say this must say that they always want to do right, and everything they will to do is God's will. And since this view makes it almost impossible for God to convict of evil desires, a person cannot see the truth about his or her own self. So the remedy for this error is in verse 9, confess our sins. And John does not go into a lengthy argument to prove that Christians still sometimes want to sin or happen to sin. He just says, confess your sins. So the remedy for this error is to start being honest and start confessing your known sins. So every time we confess a sin that we're aware of, Uh, We affirm the fact that we can sin, obviously, and that despite being a Christian, my difficulty up here is I have all these things running around in my head about biblical and theological problems. Every time we confess a sin, we affirm the fact of indwelling sin, or another way to say it, we we are admitting it's possible for us to sin. Now, the unfortunate reality, I'm trying to address another issue. The unfortunate reality is that confession of sin 
A known sin does not automatically mean that a person will not commit sin again. And that is unfortunate. And now that I've gotten older, older and older, um, I can think, um, as mature as I am, don't laugh. I, I really should be able to stop whatever this is. And and what 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 is wrong? What is wrong? And so I think we all know, we all know this is true, that this this matter of being a Christian does not automatically deliver us from ever sinning. We are not so perfected that we will not commit a sin. And I think we are also um, aware, uh, sadly aware, acutely aware, that the fact that we have confessed a sin doesn't automatically mean we won't do that again. And the reality is that this thing called spiritual growth uh, toward spiritual and emotional maturity is a process. That's what we know that's true. It's a process. So the result of confession of sin is that it says is that God forgives our sin. Uh, the charges against us or the guilt uh, is canceled. So God forgives our sin as one result, and we are cleansed from sin as another. And I believe this is referring to uh, forgiven of the particular sin that we've confessed. The third error in verse 10 is to deny that any present attitudes and behavior are sin, to say that we don't sin to deny that one in any way practices sin, as if one has reached, reached sinless perfection and, and doesn't sin. And uh, so the condition here is if we deny that we sin, if we say we do not and are not committing sins, as, as if we've entered a sinless state, and nothing that we do now that we are a believer is sin. This error says that everything I do is good and right. Uh, So let me say, I like to think that way, Uh, especially when uh, something back here in the back of my mind is is, um, trying to make itself heard trying to get my attention, and uh, maybe you're like I am, I despise feeling guilty. I don't do well with guilt, all right? I have at times been so distraught over feeling guilty that it's just about, um, I don't know, I think I thought I was going to turn inside out, or just, uh, it was probably shame too. Um, 
So yes, you know, we we can get very very committed to not being wrong, uh, and and feel like well, I, whatever I'm doing is right. It's good and right. It's the best. But um, the results of this error, we make God a liar because we are saying that we really don't have anything wrong with us, and we even suggest that maybe we never did. We're actually pretty good. Uh, maybe God is just deceived about this. And says his word is not in us, if that's how we think. Like the word of the gospel is meaningless, and certainly the word of correction doesn't apply to us. And I believe the, uh, the remedy, there's no remedy given in verse 9, uh, verse 10, 9 and 10, there's no, verse 10, there's no remedy. But I believe verses 1 and 2 of the next chapter of uh, our response to that. Uh, and he says, I'm writing that you may not commit sin. All right, that's the goal. That is the goal. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So the the same remedy, I think, applies here as verse 9, confess sin. Now, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, so he's writing so that we don't sin, but he also emphasizes in chapter 1 and then in the next part of the verse that uh, if you do sin, so the goal is not to sin. I'm not. I'm not up here trying to say that it's okay to sin. I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I'm saying there's an answer for sin. Uh, John emphasizes that a believer can sin and does sin, but this is not the same as saying a person must sin or that he wants to. So the reason we are forgiven and can have peace is Christ. He is our advocate. He pleads our case. Uh, He can defend our case because he is the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He's the place where God's righteousness and our unrighteousness meet. So because of Christ, we can have our guilt removed and be delivered from the defilement and practice of sin. So my summary, so he he addressed uh, three eras to believe that we can have fellowship with God but walk in sin. Second, to say that one does not have a natural tendency towards sin 
that one is incapable of sinning, and the third one, to deny that any present attitudes and behavior is sin. So John says one cannot have peace with God and live in known sin at the same time, and the remedy for lack of peace and lack of fellowship is to confess known sin and do what one knows is right. The person who is walking in the light, doing what he knows is right, is being cleansed from all sin. Uh, this is a strange statement in some ways. Because if a person is walking in the light, it would seem like the person would not need cleansing from sin. From any sin. So, uh, this seems to suggest that walking in the light does not mean walking perfectly. Which suggests that one does not need to be as holy as God to be at peace with God. I believe these verses are also teaching that the cleansing from all sin is referring to faults and failures and sins the person is not aware of. Uh, so I want to say we do not need to be in a state of distress worrying about what we don't know, worrying about what God is doing about stuff we might have done but we don't know if we did. And I know people like this, and I've done that myself. Verses 8 and 9 say that the person who says he has no sin or no tendency or capacity to sin is a liar. And these verses teach that a believer is not so, and I've referred to this before, The verses teach that a believer is not so radically converted that there is no tendency or inclination or possibility to sin. These verses also teach then that there is no such thing as sinless perfection, which some people over the centuries have promoted that idea. John teaches that even though he also um, he teaches this even though he also says that he's writing so people will not sin. But he also says that if we do sin, we have Jesus as our advocate, the one who pleads for us. So my last statement is that the answer to known sin is confession and the answer to unknown sin is the mercy of God. In all of this, we are reminded that we are completely dependent on Christ. And, and I would also say that this, this is a call to uh, honest confession. Uh, when we are aware that we have failed, uh, have sinned, uh, honest confession is, is the, uh, the call of Scripture. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you that you understand each of us in our walk. In our failings. 
in our intentions. Uh, thank you that you have intimate knowledge of us. Thank you that your desire for us is holiness. And thank you that you are working in our hearts to grow us into, into the kind of people that you created us to be. And thank you that you have good goals and intentions for us and that you are working in our hearts to bring us uh, to full spiritual maturity. And thank you that you, uh, that you are pleading for us and forgiving us in our confessing, in our, in our trust, uh, dependence on you, that you are at work. Thank you that you are at work uh, pleading our case, pleading our cause, uh, working to keep us for yourself and for and for your kingdom. So bless each of us with understanding and uh, the work of your spirit in our hearts uh, to motivate us, to instruct us, uh, to grow us into the people that you uh, created us to be, redeemed us to be. And thank you. Amen.